Hey, I'm Netta, and this is Real Netta Pieces of My Heart. Let's spend just a few minutes together, and hopefully you will walk away with some useful information that I've gathered in little bits and pieces over the years from experiences, from reading God's Word, and spending time with Jesus, and just growing and learning, and very often it was the hard way. So here's a little piece of my heart for today. The sweet, wonderful Esther is queen now. And she's married to a very, well, the most powerful man on earth at the time, the king of Persia, Xerxes. And her situation wasn't like the end of the old um, Disney fairy tales where you ride off in a carriage with your prince. This is like, hey, you live in your quarters of the palace, and if the king, your husband, calls for you and wants to see you, then fine. Otherwise, you just stay down on that end and live your life. Man, I can't even imagine that. That would be rough. So that's where our story picks up in Esther chapters three and four is what we're going to talk about today. And remember her cousin Mordecai, who was like a father to her, also worked in the palace in some way and had saved the king's life, but that kind of went under the radar. Well, now there's like a new guy in power underneath the king and he's over all the other rulers in the land his name is Haman or Haman perhaps is how it was pronounced and wow he liked himself a lot and all the other leaders would bow down to to Haman even though he wasn't the king they just did out of probably respect and fear and trying to kiss up to him honestly Mordecai did not he did not do it he bowed to God and I'm sure he probably would have bowed to the king if he saw him and that is it he wouldn't do it he wouldn't kiss up to him he was who he was and it wasn't like it was a rule or a law he just didn't do what everyone else did he stood up for God and he stood up for what was right oh my goodness and that made Haman so angry anytime we do something different than the crowd it's going to tick somebody off especially somebody that thinks about themselves all the time. Now I have to interject and hear something I've said a ton of times over the years, and that is people who think about themselves all the time can either be considered extremely proud or extremely insecure, but they're really the same thing. And it's they think about themselves all the time. They might play that out in a different way. You might see that in a different way. They might treat people differently, but the bottom line is they still think about themselves pretty much all the time, and they only live inside their own head and their own desires. Man, that's where this guy Haman was at. And so he's so ticked off at Mordecai that he decides, I have got to get rid of him. And then he's like, oh, wait, how about I just get rid of everyone that shares his same nationality? Like, I I can't, I can't imagine that. So he goes around and he uses half-truths to kind of set up the king. He deceives the king for his own personal gain. Um, In chapter three, it says that he approached King Xerxes and he said, there's a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Okay, well, that was probably partially true. Then he goes, their laws are different from those of any other people. Well, also true. And they refuse to obey the laws of the king. Mm, Okay, now that's where it becomes a half-truth. 
So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. And he goes on and he tells about his plan that on a certain time and a certain day, let's just choose that day and then have everybody kill all the Jews because that's what Mordecai is. It's like, how do you even put that into words? How crazy that is. But what we can pull from that and the lesson here is that when we live in our heads of how everything affects us and what do we think and what do we feel and what do we want, it honestly makes us see half-truths sometimes because we're so stuck looking in that we really don't see the out part, anything out of us. We can believe half-truths, we can speak half-truths if we're only thinking about ourselves And you know what happened is, it says that, so after the king agrees to this, because he's been bamboozled and, you know, and he's kind of prideful anyway, then they just sit down and, you know, have a toast, so to speak. And the rest of the kingdom goes into total confusion, it says. When, When we are thinking only of ourselves, whether it's insecurity or pride, it puts those around us into a form of confusion. Now, it might not be running around screaming, but it definitely brings some uneasiness, maybe a little upheaval. Maybe we share that insecurity or the anger that can come with pride. It spills out of us when we live in our head and we all do this at some point um, for some reasons, like we do, we all struggle with this. And I just keep wanting to remind myself and you that when we do that, man, it affects the people closest to us and it spills out from there. So her cousin Mordecai immediately goes, we have to fast and pray and talk to the Lord about this. And then he gets Esther involved and he tells her by a messenger what's going on and says, you have got to go talk to the king. And then she (laughs) reminds him, "Um, it's not like a normal marriage. I just can't go barging in there. That's against the law. She's like, um, and he hasn't asked to see me in 30 days. So it's not like they're going to sit down and have like a marriage moment or a little chat about why haven't you talked to me in 30 days? It's just the way it is. And there's nothing she can do about it unless she's willing to break the law and go to him uninvited, which could cost her her life. So she tells, she, she's really, really hesitant. And it's interesting because then Mordecai says to her, and I want to read it uh, straight to you. It's from chapter four of Esther, starting at verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And I'm reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. So uh, the thing that's so interesting, we always talk about like, perhaps you were put, you know, you're born for such a time as this, or you were made queen for this purpose, no doubt. But I wanted to back it up just for a minute. When Mordecai goes, deliverance and relief will arise from another place but then it's not going to rescue you. I was like, holy cow, we are where we are. We're in the positions we are. We're with the people we are because God has placed us in these situations. And if we don't do 
and live out our, the, the purpose that he's put us there. He will send someone else to do it, but we're going to miss out on so much. And we're going to get the short end of the stick. And I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here so many times in places we've been in, situations I'm in, and I'm going, Lord, a million people could do what I'm doing. Why? I'm, I'm tired of this. Or I don't want to do this. Or can I be done with this? Or can't somebody else do this? I said this like 47 times. But if, yeah, somebody else could, but he's asked me to do it. And if I let somebody else do it, I'm going to miss out. And he's putting you in positions that are for you to fulfill the purpose that you're there for. And you will get the blessing if you obey. Don't miss out on it. So Esther goes, okay, you're right. You're right. My maids and I are going to fast and pray. You and everybody else do the same, the Jewish people. And after three days, I'm going to go before the king, even though I'm uninvited. And if I die, I die. That's huge. I mean, maybe someone listening to this has been in a life or death situation. I I doubt it, but maybe. And yet there's things inside of us that that will die if we don't obey, right? So we have to obey, just like we were talking a minute ago. So after three days, she gets ready to go before the king. You know what's so funny is I always think... Oh my goodness, she didn't eat or drink for three days. So she's put her body and her mind and her emotions are pretty involved in fasting at like a crazy place. And she probably had really bad breath. (laughs) Isn't that like the dumbest thing to think? Her life was on the line and I'm going, did they have minty things back then that she could eat? Because she's going to go before the king and if she smells like bad breath, that's going to be bad. But prayer and fasting gave her the courage to go and do the scariest thing. What are the hard things in front of you right now? It might be something very simple, like just fulfilling the the responsibilities you have, getting up, going to school or work or tending to your family and that's a really hard thing for you right now or maybe it's a different challenge that others would look at and say oh that's a really big deal but whatever is huge and difficult for you right now and is the struggle let's talk to Jesus about it and last night in in our Corm Deo prayer time um, at our church Chili shared you know, rejoice and pray. Rejoice and then pray about everything. And praying doesn't mean we have to tell God A, B, C, or D like options for how to answer it. Because if we knew the options for how to answer it, we wouldn't really need to pray. It means you just talk to him about it and tell him about it. And I get really hung up on things, oh, what, what should I pray? And I feel like lately God's just been almost like taking my hand and taking my face in his hands and going... Just talk to me about it. Tell me what's on your mind. How do you feel? What's going on? And that feels weird and it's sort of hard to do sometimes for me. But let's do that first. Take the hard things, big or small, however you want to categorize them. It doesn't matter if it's hard, it's hard for you. Take it to Jesus and tell him about it. Throw in the details. Tell him the stuff that you would tell a therapist. Go to him first. Nothing wrong with therapy, but let's start with him first. 
And then I challenge you, and as I'm challenging myself, let's fast. Like food is is something that our body needs, but what if we gave up a little bit of it, not for a weight loss thing, but to simply help us focus. That every time our stomach growls, that every time we wanna reach for something else, let's reach out to Jesus. Let's take our mind, our thoughts, and our desires to him and let's find out what what courage he can give us to do those big things like Queen Esther is about to do. Oh, Jesus, I just pray over a friend or family, whoever is listening to this, Jesus, that you would give them courage to talk to you in reality, like to just be real about what they're thinking and they're feeling, and then to listen to you as they read the Bible and that you'll give them courage and ideas and strength and help us to... to get better at fasting. Maybe some of the people are listening are awesome at it. Let's take it up a notch. Maybe some are like me and we're not very good at it. Help us to establish that discipline that you expect from us because you know it's good for us and it's going to do something great in us and through us. In Jesus name I pray this. Amen. Thank you for listening and that was just a little piece of my heart.